0: Zealand Rugby's organised a crisis <laughs> meeting with uh, Stephen Larkin. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fantasy XV Draft podcast, episode 22, the Super Rugby Grand Final Edition. This is the podcast where we discuss Fantasy Super Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You've got Harry here hosting and Nelson again this week. The hey. other boys just aren't up to the task, Nelson. No, they just can't keep well up with us. It could be because Kagi. Took the last few weeks off to uh, plan his title. He uh, he took me down in the grand final of our draft. And Nelson, you were also distracted. How would you go in your wooden spoon playoff? Exact a draw. So you lost. No, it was a draw. And then what does that mean?
1: That we got the same points.
0: Yeah, and then so uh, did you lose the competition? And you're the wooden spoon this this year or not? Ah, uh, yet to be decided, I think. That's false. <laughs> <laughs> you are the wooden spoon, so need to maybe take your own advice next year.
1: No, well, it's not a good, it's no, no good.
0: Alright, so look, most of the uh, the audience have tuned out now, why don't we try and get into the games?
1: <laughs> yeah, why not?
0: <laughs> Before that I better just get the plugs out of the way, you know the website, fantasyxvdraft.com, uh, Twitter, we will be posting a fair bit through on the rugby championship now as well, uh, also Facebook, Instagram, all under the same names as well. So this week the entree was obviously the grand final, the Crusaders versus the Lions, which the Crusaders took out thirty-seven to eighteen. Never really looked in doubt at any point yeah. throughout the match.
1: Yeah, but it was four tries to two. I think the Crusaders proved they were the more dominant team, uh, and and they took their chances.
0: Twenty to three at half time, You know, the the first twenty minutes was all Lions. The second was all Crusaders, and yet half time's twenty to three. I think it was that game over.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> I don't think you
1: can crawl your way back into that from uh, when you are against the Crusaders. They just don't let in twenty points. Not easily a, without scoring.
0: Not against the team now that's won twenty one finals in a row at home. Twenty one out of twenty one. Yep. Ridiculous. Anyway, the tries in this one it was four tries to two. Yep. Yeah? Tamanavalu, Havili, Drummond, and Scott Barrett, and on the other side of the ledger, Brink <laughs> and Marks both scoring. Mark's not scoring how you'd expect him to score. No, not off the back of the rolling ball they, this week,
1: and for good reason. They got pummeled at the back <laughs> of that driving wall, they, and they persisted. They gave it a few cracks, as that's, you would. That's what we said. We sort of said it, it's probably not going to work well for them, but they'll give it a crack and they'll keep giving it a crack, and they did for a good chunk of time. But they just got absolutely demolished.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a really, really interesting game. You know, we we made a few predictions last week. We thought that. Line out and scrum time would be pretty even, which I think it was. I think in the end they they were both pretty good across the scrum, got a few penalties each. And There's in the line somewhere. out I think they won- lost one each. Yep. But we thought, you know, if the Lions were gonna have a crack at them, they were gonna have yeah. to either score from their rolling mall as they have all year, which we didn't think they'd be able to, or they'd have to invent a new way to score. And in the end they got absolutely hammered, like you said, through the, the rolling mall and they didn't really seem to have any answers.
1: Yeah. They just uh they lacked lacked the, I don't know, variance in the game to try and get through that Crusaders line.
0: Well, they scored two late trials. Kyle Brink just scored the most ridiculous line break ever. I think it was just a bit of yeah. a moment of madness from them, more so than anything spectacularly creative. Yeah, but phenomenal try nonetheless. And then Marks it was just Marks being close to the line, so I'd stop. It's good for one of those a game anyway. Surely.
1: Yeah. He, he did well in his fantasy, like always, but he just didn't seem to have as good an impact in the match as you, you could have expected or could have hoped for.
0: Any any chinks in the armor from the Crusaders this year for the other teams to pick apart for next year? Um, no, <laughs> I was I was going to come up with something witty, but no, there's, oh, there's, <laughs> not, there's, there's not. I was thinking just don't play them at home. Yeah, it's true. Refuse
1: I, or don't play them one of the teams that get away oh, with not playing the
0: genius worked for the Lions a couple yeah. of years ago yeah exactly until the grand final <laughs> yeah nice no. um, look the, the other one that we we were talking about was the tackling of some of the Lions backs particularly around the insides the Cronje Kron- uh, and Yance the 9 and 10 obviously Cronje uh, ended up missing 2 or 4 Yanches missed four of six. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, we thought that would be an area they targeted, and, and well, it was. And I, well, Actually, I don't know if it was an area they targeted. They just missed their tackles look, that they should have made.
1: Th- 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 those stats don't show, I mean, that's ten chances that those two blokes had to make tackles. Like, th- it doesn't look like it's something that they decided to to try and attack. It just looked like they did it on an odd occasion and that mm. the Lions sucked at defending it.
0: Yeah, I think the other part of it was that um, the the loose forwards around for the, the Lions really made a few mistakes as well. You know, we were just watching back some of the highlights and you had Kyle Brink being stepped by Todd and then getting the offload over Mostert. Um, you had a couple of other opportunities where they kind of ran through the middle of them as well in the game. And it wasn't always the inside backs. Actually, the loose forwards probably weren't making their dominant tackles either.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, that's something that we sort of mentioned as well. You've got a few blokes there that make a lot of tackles, but they mm. also miss a lot of tackles. Um, blokes like Quagga Smith, uh, we, I mean, he had a pretty quiet game, as, as I think we both predicted. Um, I think he walked away with uh, 35 points, so better than expected. But, I mean, he had 17 runs for 46 metres, and he had two tackle busts from those 17 runs. That's nothing like him last week or, or when he's had big weeks
0: no I, I think we were wondering you know how hungry would he be given what <laughs> happened last year and 17 runs says he was pretty freaking hungry um
1: or, or does it mean they wanted to give him the ball because he just did not make meters 46 meters from 17 runs with, i don't know what he magic number that's less than <laughs> that's less than three meters a run <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah look he he was heavily involved but he just didn't didn't make a lot of impact he was one of the ones that just couldn't really get free of the crusaders two tackle busts from 17 attempts yeah that's pretty poor that pretty much spells it out right you're not going to beat a team with that kind of ratio no
1: when he scored his try last week he made three or four tackle busts in that one opportunity yeah yeah that was
0: when he scored one of his two tries yeah
1: sorry when he he (laughs) scored that first try and he just ran straight through them yeah he just carved them apart
0: so a couple of the stats from the game. So the Lions had the field, the possession, 56%, and they also had the territory at 73%. So they controlled a lot of the ball, especially I think it was up as high as in the mid-80s in the... Uh, in, you just know, showing me another stat there. Mid-80s in the first 20 minutes. But yeah, come on, Shemi, tell us about that.
1: Sort of sort of said that the the back row was lacking. Quagga Smith made four of ten tackles. Four of ten
0: tackles. That's absolutely atrocious. It's...
1: Poo. That's where that is. <laughs> that is terrible. So, I, as I said, he normally makes lots of tackles, but he misses lots. Mm. In this instance, he just missed lots.
0: Well, Mossert was the other one that was saying missed a lot throughout the season, although he did make make a lot as well. Did how did he go? He made
1: twenty of twenty one.
0: Okay so he can't be he can't be (laughs) uh, to blame. And
1: as you saw with that try against Brink he was doing a cover tackle he was three men Mm. in he covers across and makes that tackle so yes there was an offload over him but he was working to get into that position and it shouldn't have been on his shoulders entirely.
0: So I think you know there's was a few calls after last week's performance for Quagga to be in amongst that South African squad and why you know people are asking why I don't think that he should have been I guess the reason is last year in a big game he got Red Carter for doing something dumb Yeah, and in this game he made 17 runs so you could argue that he hogged the ball wasn't very effective at all and missed 60% of his tackles 6 of 10 tackles were missed so that's that's not a big game player. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty perfect. And you don't want to make mistakes at, at professional, at the top level, at international level either.
1: No, I mean, this This is two years in a row, a grand final that he hasn't really stood up and,
0: and hasn't really
1: done too much. Mm. So they're, they're the big pressure games, and he clearly can't crack it. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I mean, going back to the team as well. So we talked about territory and field position. So the run meters I thought was really interesting. You had... The Crusaders make 103 and three runs compared to 163 runs. Wow. So significantly less, but they made 682 metres compared to the line 623. So with, you know, maybe 60% of the runs, they made a little bit more metres than the line. So they're just so much more damaging with the ball in hand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's something that isn't overly surprising when we're talking that about that Crusaders defence. It's just hard to penetrate.
0: Yeah, so you reckon more a, a reflection of the Lions not being able to penetrate the, the Crusaders' defense rather than the vice, vice versa? Yeah. They did have no, the Crusaders did have nine line breaks, though. The Crusaders or the Lions? The Crusaders. Crusaders had nine breaks, the Lions yeah, had six, Crusaders nine. So they, that's a lot of line breaks.
1: Yeah, and I, I suppose, I mean, I'm not too surprised by that. Crusaders can do that. But the thing that was I, I thought was a big difference between them is, is that defense. So the lions didn 't have many answers to it, and, and couldn 't find their way through the line that much uh, and I think that 's where that the sort of difference comes between those two those two stats yep, yeah, yep yeah, fair enough
0: um, one of the ones one of the other things that we 're talking about going into this game was the rock and mall. And the the ability for the two players, for Quagga Smith and Malcolm Marks, really to dominate that ruck and all year, and that really was the foundation of their game. You know, they had the ability to kick to touch and set up their set piece that was so strong. Um, in the end, you know, we in going sorry going into this game, the Lions had nine penalties a game on average that they would get, and the Crusaders seven. Yep. The match ended up six apiece. So essentially, the the strongest part of the Lions' game. Yeah. Was completely negated and was completely even with the Crusaders. I thought that was fascinating, especially considering every time the Crusaders were under pressure, they just gave away a penalty. Yep, ridiculous. Like here is one area where the Lions well, had to attack the game and they didn't. I think I saw them get one turnover. Well, was it? It shows that the Crusaders they did their homework. They knew what the
1: Lions, how the Lions were going to play. All of their strengths were shut down that line out more, their their uh, their steals and stuff over the ball, the, the Crusaders were getting there quick and they were doing the work to not allow those uh, Lions players, Marks and uh, Quagga, to, to get their chance to be over the ball and set themselves. They were working hard to get there.
0: Yeah, exactly right. No, I, think, I think like we said, maybe the, the Crusaders knew that if they could get some parity in those two areas, then essentially the Lions would run out of ideas and that was what happened. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Uh, what about players and outs?
1: Um So, man of the match uh, was Richie Mawanga. Uh, the fantasy man of the match was Marks. So, I, I suppose that's two blokes you would expect to be up there. Marks walked away with uh, 71 points. Had a pretty solid outing, but not as good, I suppose, influentially, if that's a word, as much as you, you'd think. Not as influential? That... No, I'll stick with influentially. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he got 70, 71 points, he had 13 runs for 32 run metres and two tackle busts. Had a line break, and as, as you said before, he scored a try. Um, in terms of Mwanga's output, he scored 48 points and, and just did a little bit of everything. He, he only made four runs, um, but he did make 61 metres, so that is, that's good off each of those runs. He didn't take as many chances as last week, um, but it could have been that that defensive line wasn't pushing up on him as much. He said after the semi-final that he didn't plan to take as many runs, but the reason he did it was because that defensive line was up in his face. Yep. And Hurricane's defensive line, and that sort of forced him to to think on his feet and and sort of step back inside. Um, So maybe that's why he didn't take as many runs, but when he did, he looked good. When he got that that, uh, high ball, caught it, ended up stepping a few blokes, ran through and set up a try. Yeah, good he got
0: close and they ended up scoring off the back of it. That was... Yeah, his vision's ridiculous. He's obviously got awesome acceleration, just like yeah. every single player in New Zealand, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal vision. I One of the highlights for me, I, I think it was Tamar first try, where Richie Mo runs at the line. They show the replay up close a couple of times, and he throws the dummy when it was like a three-on-three. Three. And then as soon as he throws the dummy... Um, Kotsier yeah, just collapses in, and then he just kind of dishes it out really late with the ta- with the defense right on his face. And that's when Tamaiba, who got the space on the outside, ran over someone and scored in the corner. Yeah. It's just ridiculous his ability to control the play and make a decision so late to put people in space. Yeah, he's just
1: he's one of those blokes that just seems to have so much time that those little decisions, although a lot of people will make those mistakes and try to throw it or, or get caught with it, he's got that extra time that he can perfectly get that ball away and set that man into into
0: space so I'm, I'm just going through our predictions because we don't always go that well we said richie mo his class would be pretty telling in this one what do you reckon yeah i think it's a, a win for us it's <laughs> a tick yeah I think it's a, a big tick so just just touching back to fantasy for those that play a little bit of fantasy footy one of the most fascinating things for us going into this final <laughs> series was who would pick first in fantasy yeah. footy was it Malcolm Marx or was it Richie Moanga so to give a bit of background for those that don't know Malcolm Marx was the top player for the the competition he had an average I think of about 58 yeah. and Richie Mo was second on 54 so in every single one of our scenarios Richie Mo went first Malcolm Marx went second now if you look purely at points, and, and this is where I think most people start, Malcolm Marks scored 71 points. Richie Moe scored 48. And that's Who was the more valuable player to you, and why?
1: Moanga, and the reason why is we look at their matchup. If you're picking Marks, then the other player is obviously getting Taylor. If you're picking Moanga, the other player is getting Yanti. So you want to look at the difference between those two players and difference between their points. And I think the difference between... Um, Marks and Taylor was about 27 points, Yeah. While the difference between Wang and Yetis was about 31 points. Yeah, that's right. Um, so although when you're looking at it on face value and, and looking at the points, you're going to go, yeah, Marks was the man you wanted here. Mm. He wasn't because you need to look at that step down to that next bloke in that position. So if you've got one, who does the other person end up with?
0: You need to win each of those little battles to win the overall match. And both of us picked second, and we both had a game plan if Richie Mo went first. Um, and sadly, our entire rugby draft are now rugby nerds, and they, they read it and defended it. So we yeah. picked Marks first, and what was our game plan, Nuss?
1: Well, I, I thought I was going to get away with this. I thought it wasn't going to work too well for you. But basically, we picked Marks in our first go. We thought they were going to then follow up with a, a good hue or a Bridge or someone along those lines. And then we were going to take Cody Taylor. So effectively, he was the next most valuable player for us because although you could get someone else that's 10 points, 15 points ahead of someone else, if we picked Cody Taylor, who's going to play 80 minutes or close to it, we effectively took 44 points away from them. And the the step above that that I thought was even better was, or even sweeter was, if they then went for Yantes, who walked away from that match with 17 points... Mm that would have been even better for us because then we could have taken a, a top score on another position. So it would have been almost smarter for them to just let us have the anties and let, let that slide or wait till maybe round six, round seven or something along those lines.
0: Yep. So um, so that, that's, a, I guess, value-based drafting when you're looking at matchups or positions and, and the idea of trying to steal players from other people and that kind of thing that we really enjoy about yeah. our, our style of fantasy footy or the draft footy rather than <laughs> Value, uh, value kind of money based drafting that some of the other systems use. So that's, uh, I think, fantasy rugby draft are the only boys at the moment that uh, that use that kind of system, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean, in the semi-finals, it was something that I actually gave a crack, um, and I was versing Harry Tucker, who's nicknamed Larry because obviously you're Harry and he's the losing Harry, so he's Larry. Logic. Um, I actually picked up Yantis as my second fly half. So that effectively took a good chunk of points away from him because he had to start Iowa West, who only got 10 points. Yeah. Um, and the way, what I actually had done is I put the thought into his head that what he needed to do, or what I was lacking, was a halfback. So he should take that halfback, even though he could have taken a Lucy for me, hmm. from me, which would have been more effective. And then I picked up Jake Gordon, who I thought would get decent minutes, and he ended up getting better than nick phipps anyway he got 14 points to nick phipps minus one so that worked out well for me last week but neither of us could pull it off this week
0: yeah yeah that's right they were alert to it we won't get into too many uh fantasy rugby tactics right now when most other people were were not playing this week but i guess it's a little bit of an insight into some of the tactics that you can play and those kind of things that make it a little bit more interesting a bit more fun as well tactics that you can't get in your typical fantasy football that's right so we, we mentioned Malcolm <clears throat> Marks as the fantasy man of the match with his 71 points. Funnily enough, Richie Moe was not even second or third. Matt Todd was second with 51 points, and then Kieran Reid with 49. I I think uh, Todd got a lot of his points from that try assist or line break assist there. Yeah, And that was solid. Just and, and I think he had a pretty big tackle count as well. I'm um, just double-checking. He had 30 tackles.
1: Well, Todd's been big throughout this final series. He's got quite a few points on on each of these matches. He got 55 last week. um, I'm sorry, two weeks ago. And I think last week he got relatively decent as well. Uh, He got 41.
0: So he's been really quite solid. So have you ever heard of someone making 30 tackles in a game, though? No. (laughs) I think that's the most of anyone for the entire year. It could easily be. It's just outrageous, and here's a guy that made thirty tackles and only missed three. He set up a try with that offload around the outside of Franco Mostert, who didn't miss a single tackle or game. And he can't get a look in for the All Blacks. And he yet. can't get a ta- can't get a look in. He also made two turnovers as well. Yeah, ridiculous. Australia will
1: take him. You guys can have Hooper. <laughs> <The> trade, <laughs> <Yeah. The> trade. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I don't know. Exceptional game from him. It's a, it's a shame that he can't get another run in that All Black squad because he's definitely good enough. I I like him so much more than Sam Kane. So do I.
1: Look, I think that's a debate. We've got to be careful with what we're saying. All our three listeners in New Zealand, if if they actually support the uh, support the Canes, well, Jeez. support Kane. Yeah, then we'd be in trouble
0: there. Yep. Um, other than that, we said Kieran Reed forty nine, so he made eighteen tackles, which kind of pumped him, up, pumped his score up and sixteen runs as well. So just a huge work rate for the game, and considering that was his third game that he actually played eighty minutes or his third full game back, to have that many inputs into the game or well, that much affects 16 runs in attack 18 in defense that is crazy work rate
1: yeah i mean it was it was one of those things going into the finals you are looking at him going he hasn't had much game time uh how is he going to perform in this mm. and i mean he just didn't miss a beat missing most of the season he just did not miss a beat
0: it shows what an insane professional he is to be able to come back and do that so early in his season it's just yeah. crazy yeah crazy couple other big performances. Um, I thought, I think Franks made an absolute mountain of tackles as well. He made, I'm just going to double check, oh, 14. That dropped. Take it back. It wasn't anywhere near as exciting as I thought it was going to be. I wouldn't say that's a mountain. <laughs> no. Uh, Tamanavalu was super, super hungry for the Crusaders. Uh, again, I think he had a, another good game or two in the finals. But, mm. man, he just looked like he finished this season so, so well. And it's a real shame to see him leave now. Yeah,
1: look, he got six. Six runs for 68 metres, five tackle busts, made an offload, scored a try, um, and he also made a line break for for 47 points. That's really solid. I mean, most people would be ranking Bridge well above him. He also walked away with 47 points. Six runs for 84 metres, five tackle busts, uh, and three line breaks. So Bridge
0: probably looked a little bit better with ball in hand. He just didn't manage to, to cross the line. I just, yeah, look... Bridge had a lot of good impacts and, and I think he made a really good line break, which is where he got a lot of his points. But to see Tamanavalli that hungry and it looked like every time he went into contact he was just confident he was going to run over the top of them. You know, it's it's not something that you see from him in every single game. So I think he's a big game player like that. I, I actually really rate him for those kind of moments. He is, and he and he takes that ball forward and he gets you over the advantage line. But I
1: mean when you look at the fact that he only made one line break, he was hungry, he wanted the ball and he was making runs. But Bridge walked away with three line breaks. He, he was the most influential in terms of that in, in either team. So three line breaks, he was the only man to get that.
0: Yeah, hard to, hard to argue with. Combrink got two. I was going to say, the, oh, yeah. the other guy that I thought was really good was Combrink. He just seemed to want to get involved in everything as well, pretty it, similar. It surprised me and
1: hurt me all at once.
0: He uh, <laughs> he got absolutely run over by Tomato Valley once, so, which is pretty great.
1: Yeah, it's good to see.
0: <laughs> but yeah, he, he walked away with... Uh, 46
1: points, he got two line breaks, nine runs for 105 metres, and also made five tackle busts. So each of those three outside backs were just bumping blokes for fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, One of the big talking points in this one was Gianci obviously tweaked his hammy in the semi-final, (coughs) and so they decided that they would play him off the bench. Uh, A lot of people have been questioning that. (coughs) He came on and almost immediately made an impact. He looked awesome. He was on there for 27 minutes. He didn't really get tested
1: out in defense. He only uh, had two times that he had to make tackles, and he made both of them. But with that ball in hand, he looked solid. He looked really, really good, and he looked dynamic.
0: Well, they, they haven't marked him down for a line break, but I thought he made a line break immediately or yeah. was it a line break assist or something he just yeah i remember him on that left touch line just getting the ball and just absolutely belting through the line i agree he also if you counted sideways meters he would have got another 50 he can run sideways <laughs> he, that's a huge problem for <laughs> early him. on when
1: he came on he ran legitimately three quarters across the side of the field but the crusaders line didn't push up they just sat there and waited and then he popped the ball into someone who ran straight into the defensive line and got munched
0: someone we we're with goes oh yeah how good's that?" It's like. He got Terrible. zero metres, yeah. and they did not fall for it at all. So the Crusaders next year, let's let's kind of move on a little bit. Actually, i got one more for you before we move on to next year. We talked about how good the Crusaders' midfield was. We talked about Crotty yeah. and good and Defensively, they're just rocks. And... You know, there's a bit of experience in the Lions midfield. Maybe not their form players for the year, but we thought that they would probably struggle to make an impact on this game. Mapoe had a few good impacts really right right out in the wide channels, but their metres just told the story on this one. Yeah, entirely. Vorstar, six, five runs for 10 metres as the inside centre, and Mapoe, six runs for 17 metres. They just got absolutely munched. Like they could not make the game line. They cannot get their team going forwards. And when their forward pack wasn't getting parity in a lot of the their strength around the set piece and the ruck or ascendancy, I should say, they'll probably get in parity, but not getting ascendancy. It was it was really really damning. It really just took away another strike weapon for the for the lions.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, as as we sort of alluded to, that's exactly what we thought was going to happen. And the Lions just couldn't answer those questions that the Crusaders weren't going to surprise them with, but we're going to ask them, and they, they just had no answers for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I guess if you're going to go in with that tactic and you haven't got a backup plan, you're going to lose. You're going <laughs> to lose. So <laughs> is Crusaders. that is that a bit of a, a question mark over Swiss de Bruin? Then, then you know they they've gone into a grand final. I know it's their first year coach, and he's taken Ackerman's you know squad pretty much forwards, but. He, he clearly hadn't created any other tactic on how they were going to create an impact him try and take over this game other than just heart. Look, I think it's hard coming into a squad that's been in the finals two years running,
1: it's got to be hard to add some form of dynamic. You don't want to change too much. You only want to change a few small things. But in your first year to get you to a grand final, you can't say it's too bad, but he clearly didn't add much. If you have a really, really solid squad that's made finals two years running, you take a good bulk of that team into the next year, they're going to do decent. You, you'd be surprised if they crumble away and do nothing. So did he add much?
0: does <coughs> Sorry?
1: What do you mean? Daryl Gibson.
0: What, us sucking the following year? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, what, a few blokes
0: left? Yeah, you mean like in the Lions?
1: Yeah, no, not as much.
0: Look but at, that was a fail. That's a I that was saying is fail. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Is this is this a real positive? I, I think he deserves a bit of credit to get there. But I, the thing that I thought that, that I was trying to point out was he just didn't have a tactic. Like most good coaches, they come in and they have ways to score. They're creative. They have a tactic on how they're going to take yeah. this game. He came in with the same game plan. When we're going to have to get penalties at the ruck, and we're going to kick to touch and make and play rolling balls, and it didn't work. So. What was he doing during the week? Where's his analysis? Where where has he gone in to say, hey, this is where we're going to attack the Crusaders? Back to sort of what I was alluding to, that's what the game plan was last year.
1: And it was what the game plan was the year before. So it's not that he didn't add anything new to this match. He added nothing new to the team in the year. They did well to get to the grand final again, but there was nothing new there. So did he just sit there and go, let's just do the exact same stuff over and over again that's got us to the finals and not won anything? Mm. That's what it looks like.
0: I think they're in big trouble next year, losing a few players. You know, we'll start with the Lions because we're talking about them. I think they're in huge trouble. They've had a fair few sign overseas. I don't understand how they can be... Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a lot going on. Yeah, Ron Ackerman's off. taken a few more away yeah. as well. Yeah, true. So I, I think they're in huge trouble next year.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, the uh, it was something that... Uh, who was it? Uh, the Kiwi boys were alluding to on their podcast earlier this year that... The Lions have been in the finals now now three years. Will mm. they lack motivation next year? The Rugby Roundup boys, we're, we're talking about that early on
0: oh, in no, the season. I would think that losing a final is only ever going to motivate you.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you've thrown everything. You've thrown your hat in the ring and everything else into that hat.
0: Something's got to change. Yeah, I agree. They, they need a shake-up. Yeah. Uh, so Crusaders next year, what I was thinking, I was just looking through this team... Who do they lose next year? How are they, why are they not going to win the competition next year? They've got the same coach and pretty much the same team, don't they? Uh, they lose Pete Salmon. <laughs> yeah, but they've got Tafua and Head and Bedwell-Curtis. Oh, I was just saying they lose one bloke. Who's their other? They've got another Lucy or two yeah. just floating around there that's played outstandingly well for them. No. I And it's concerning. So, I mean, Tamarabalu's gone. But they got got uh, Mattielli.
1: they got Mattielli. They've got Enor.
0: Yeah, you takes tag. Yeah, so like right. they they don't seem to lose much. They have blokes that can fill those voids. They got Crockett. They lose Crockett, but they got Perry. Not that we rate him at all. We don't rate Perry. All but look,
1: I mean, the thing about the Crusaders is you take away their big names, and someone will fill that void. Yeah, I mean, Dan Carter goes. You have someone like Mulunga fill that void.
0: Mulner. it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it is crazy. All right, let's move on anyway. That's that's the final. Let's move on to. What's coming up? So the rugby championship, we are pretty excited about this this one, and we're tossing back and forward. Do do we want to keep chatting footy with uh, the podcast about the rugby championship? And as we've said many times before, we love the sound of our own voice. So yes, yeah, we definitely we decided don't. to. <laughs> Maybe we'll get one of the other boys to turn up one one day soon, so you don't just have to listen to us, but. Let's talk rugby championships. So we don't want to get too much into the depth of it, but we thought we'd look at squads and who's in the mix and what we think team lineups might look like before we, we start thinking analysis and results and that kind of thing. So the, the point we'll start with is the Argies, because I think they're pretty easy. We know now that um, old mate is the, uh, is the coach. I've got the, um, oh the ex-Waratas. Yeah, come on. Um. <laughs> help me out here. Don't,
1: don't <laughs> struggle where I am. Um, his name was – I got him last time, mate.
0: Um, yeah, I did. Ledesma. Ledesma. Mario Ledesma is the new coach. It's been officially announced. And he's also requested to get some of the players back from overseas. So it sounds like they're no longer only picking from Argentina, which I I think is something that they have to do. Um, They've only asked for two props back, two tight head props, Fagalo and Herrera. So I think they're saying, you know, they they rate their loose heads. They said Tata's Chaparro is quite likely to move back over to loose head from the tight head. So then that way they've got a couple of good props there along with Garcia Bota. Yep. Um, You know, one of of the things that was blowing up on Twitter is how is Facundo Issa, the other one that's not coming back given that he was just the most outrageously good number seven a couple of years back. Uh, apparently he's injured until December, so that's why. not because he doesn't want him. I think it'd be hard to go past picking him.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's a he's the real talented bike.
0: Fair to say as well that this is probably just setting them up for the World Cup next year. You can't have Sanchez playing overseas and not play overseas players. He's mm. he's quite clearly their best 10. They don't really yeah. have anyone else.
1: Look, as soon as he leaves, they're, they're really lacking in that. It's such an important, crucial position. So mm. it was something that had to happen. For the sake of their team.
0: Yep. So, basically, it's going to be the Jaguares. See if they can get their their form back, their mojo back, now that they don't have Halkado or whatever his Whoa. name was that was useless in the last 12 months. And uh, and they're going to have a couple of new props to tight, tighten up their front row, which their scrum, remember, was just really disappointing in the first round of finals as well.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a national side, they've, they've struggled for a little while now. They've dropped down to 10th, putting them behind Fiji, who's, who slid up to 9th in this last international period. Um, well, they're, they're a real
0: risk of sliding behind Japan as well, which is pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, Japan seemed to be on the rise as well. Like, you could see Japan actually beating them if, if they got to, the chance to
0: verse Yeah, I think you're right. I think definitely.
1: Yeah. So, And that's pretty concerning when you've you've come into now the rugby championships and you've interrupted that three nations saying that you wanted to basically grow your team and you thought it was such an important factor but you've come into the the rugby championship and you've crumbled you've fallen away from where you were it hasn't made you better it's made you worse yeah what's the answer then like you've entered super rugby you've entered the international high international level
0: well, you know, th- there's all the stuff on chemistry between a team, but I don't think you can take one team from a semi-professional or professional level and then take them all the way through to your national side. You need more players building more competition than that. They've got a decent amount of players. Disagree. How many Kiwi rugby players are there that are pushing for the top twenty? No, I, I
1: mean, they've got lots of players. I don't mean they've got lots of good players.
0: <laughs> but just because the Haguata is run with a squad of 50, not all of them get to play.
1: I just mean they they need to broaden their horizons in terms of I agree they are they need a second
0: team in super rugby when they when they build the competition which i think is probably you know a good way to go to be honest with you I, i'd like to see that yeah. i know that there's going to be people, a lot of people kicking screaming disagreeing but i think that will be a really strong thing for them or like you said uh allowing them to pick players from overseas and maybe even getting a, a, an overseas based team as well
1: yep yeah. maybe enter a another hemisphere comp <laughs>
0: Like, well, everyone else is going. Yeah. Why not? Exactly. Uh, let's move on. You got anything else on them?
1: Uh, not too, really. Not, not too, really. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Not, okay.
0: Not really. Okay, not really. Gotcha. I've had a few wines. What do they say about alcoholics? Do you drink alone? Yes, or I'm no? with you. No, before I was here. I had a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, South Africa, we'll get into next. Um, they've got. Three debutants in their squad, Marco van Stadter from the Bulls, Carl Brink from the Lions, and Damien Vilemci from the Stormers, who's obviously back from injury.
1: Who are you most excited out of those?
0: I think, well, to be honest with you, I think they're all really exciting players. Van Staden is an exceptional number seven, and he can ball run as well. I think he's really exciting and probably the best out-and-out seven they've got running around. I think a lot of their other sevens are probably more like loose forwards.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, he's definitely a very good seven. He's 22 years old. He's got a lot of time to grow into that position.
0: But clearly, Valemsi is the most exciting player but there.
1: you're also saying he's the most out-and-out out seven. What about Yako Creel? Yeah, but he's injured. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I oh, was saying he's the most out-and-out out non-injured. Yeah, so. healthy in this squad. Okay. And Creel hasn't played all year either. But I agree. Okay, Cre- I would Creel is the best seven in. starting. Oh, yeah, I guess in South really the best six. So he's the best open side flanker. Yeah. Yeah, but Van Sarden is a really exciting player. Brink's been exceptional. I don't think he's quite there yet for international rugby, but deserves some time around that squad and probably won't get a look in with Khaleesi as captain anyway. Don't and forget about his
1: defensive pose in the grand final.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just getting stepped off the ball. Yeah. And uh, Damien Vilemse, I mean, who do you put on your bench? Do you pick Elton Yanches to close the game out or Damien Valempsi? Uh Yanti's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. But do you throw him in that early, or does he need oh, to shit! Him? Yeah, yeah. But
1: <laughs> goes in
0: above him, one hundred percent. Cool. Yeah. All right. We'll move on then. That was easy. <laughs> right. Um, injured players. So the ones that aren't considered this year is Dielende, Hellanz, who's just had a shoulder break yeah, So a bit upsetting. Just as he's starting to play some good footy. Lou Jaga is still out. Trevor Kanye, Kuni Ustaisen, who's missed the whole year anyway. Sickle Nkosi, uh, and Travis Ishmael also out as well. So a lot of solid players in that squad. You know, yeah. D'Aulende was probably a bit of a walk-up starter and Lude would be arguably up there as well.
1: But they've, they've also brought in three pretty influential overseas players, uh, Francois Lowe, Faf de Klerk, and Willie Larue. So they're, both, they're all players that, have a fair bit of experience. Faf, as we sort of saw earlier on in the year, he made a pretty big influence when he came across.
0: I think they all did when they came before him, those two and Vermeulen. And, you know, it's good to see that they can bring Lowe back just to kind of substitute in, let Vermeulen go over, play in Japan, earn his payday. And then now Francois Lowe gets to come in and try and make that same kind of impact. Apparently his nickname's Flo. (laughs) Francois Lowe Flo. He's looking heavy. He's 33 years old, though. Flow is looking very heavy. Yeah, he's not flowing very quickly anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's 109 kg, six foot three, but no, he, he still he still works well over. No, ball. he's a beast. He's yeah. a
0: beast. I don't care if he's 33 years old. He's awesome. I'll take yeah. him any day. Uh, you've also got a few big names coming back. So obviously Warren Whiteley is healthy. Jean-Luc Dupri mm-hmm. is up for a selection again. So he's running around, and he's D- probably the other player that would you you would argue is up there with Creel and Van Sarden that can play both sides. Yeah.
1: And, uh, but he's a bit more of a direct running role. He He's still good over the ball, but... Um, a bit more blindsided yeah. than the other two. Yeah, and I mean, South Africa play it quite differently, but yeah, no, he's, he's not as much of an open style player in terms of over the ball and that defensive sort of structure.
0: Yeah. And uh, even Etzebeth, who should be back from this nerve injury, I, they say he's available for selection, so I assume he's recovered because that was a long time coming. They expected him back months ago. But really, really good to see if he can get back because he's obviously one of the best locks going around the world. Yeah, definitely. So our best 15, we're trying to work out who are they going to play, who are they most likely going to run out. Yep. What do we got? So we're starting obviously with Beast. That's no questions asked.
1: Marks, no question asked. And they were saying Lowe
0: or Malherbe? Yeah, so Lowe was the, the preferred. I know he hasn't played a lot of test footy. He was the preferred going into the start of that international series. And they gave him a rest because he played every single game for the Stormers. Um, Malherbe came back late from injury, took a little while to get some game time. And they ended up giving him the last two games. He's obviously a world class prop as well at his best. I don't think he's there yet. So my gut is that Lowe will start.
1: Malherbe missed a fair bit of the year. So, I mean, that's it. He's a solid player. He's he's 27 years old, so he's still got time to grow into that role. But, yeah, maybe you were seeing him on the bench.
0: I just to throw it out there on him being 27 years old, time to grow. You know, they say that props don't hit their peaks until 30. seven's getting close to it. I, yeah, I don't think it is 30 anymore. I think the no. game's changed too much.
1: No, look, I mean, you've still got guys having long tenures there in the Who in the are the props. best preps
0: in the world? I don't get me wrong. Beast is, is awesome. Kepu is awesome. Uh, if you want to argue some of the, the Kiwis in the southern hemisphere, Who's but better I don't in Australia so. and South Africa? Taniela Tupo, Kitsov, Lowe. Yeah, look. But there's some pretty phenomenal young props that are but they're, substantially younger.
1: They're, they're freakish talents, though, when you're talking about Kitsov and Tupo. Like, yeah.
0: they're, they're once-in-a-generation props. Who's the, who's the English prop? or the Irish prop, sorry. He's oh, super yes. young as well. Yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. So there, there's a lot of good guys around that are just absolute all-stars that are very, very young. So if these guys are meant to peak at 30, I, I just don't buy it anymore. I don't I don't think it's right. I don't
1: think a lot of them are peaking then, but in terms of their scrummaging, that's the sort of thing you do. Furlong.
0: At. Yeah, tag furlong. He's, um, he's only twenty five and so I, I would think that maybe he gets better for another year or two but he can't he can't continue to well, go we're
1: talking about very different style of props though aren't we we're talking about like you reach your peak as a scrummager with a lot of experience because it's it's a very technical position and you've got to try and outsmart the the person you're up against. At 31, or not even there, at 29, 30, 31, you've had enough experience to outsmart that player. You have blokes like Kitshoff, Tupo, running around and just destroying blokes. That's a very different style of prop.
0: I was going to say, maybe, maybe the big... Change here is in the upskill that the All Blacks have led, where one to fifteen, the player needs to be able to ball play, needs to be able to throw the pass behind, needs to be able to throw the flat yeah. ball into the uh, the the short runner. You know, like yeah, that's probably the thing that the oldies aren't quite as good at. Yeah, I agree. I take it. I, I I wouldn't say for Kepo. I think Kepu probably has has changed his game quite well and is up to you know is able to still do that, but. There's not many others that I think that are, have been really top-level scrummagers and, and uh, set-piece forwards that are now able to do that and adapt.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, 10 years ago when Kevin was 22, you didn't see blokes like that running around in the prop sort of position.
0: No, that's right. Um, so we said the front row. Yep. Beast marks low or Malherbert in the locks, Nels. No? So
1: we're looking at Etzebeth and Mostert. Um, which I don't think many people can really argue with. They've, they've both been really solid when they had their chance this year. And um, is there anyone else that you'd be thinking about putting in that that lock sort of par- the partnership there?
0: Well, RG is the other one that was getting most of the game time if if Etzebeth isn't ready. And you know, obviously, there's Peter Steff. There's there's a couple other really good players around. But if Etzebeth is healthy, he starts. Yeah, he's hard to go past as a as a
1: person there. If he, if he's ready to go, you'd throw him in. Yeah. Who's, so I, who's on the bench for you?
0: I would play Stein. Peter Steff, but the issue is I think they're going to look at him as a six. But they've just got so many quality sixes, I don't think they should.
1: They've been doing a bit too much this
0: year, trying yeah. to shift those blokes into
1: that six role and not really giving them their chance to stay there in the
0: Maybe, maybe they're looking at New Zealand who are doing it constantly because they have no number sixes. <laughs> and Recently, they've decided yeah. that And they, they've yeah. decided that that's what they need to do. But they've got so many world-class loose forwards. I, I think, just don't get the tactic.
1: Look, South Africa have always been such a dominant line-out sort of competitor. I think that the, what they've been trying to do is adding that second row of that is mobile and playing that sixth Yeah, you're strengthening your line-out. You're giving yourself another option. Yeah, for sure.
0: For sure. It, uh, it makes sense from that end. I just think it kind of stunts your running game in what is a pretty fast-paced game these days. Yeah. In terms of their back
1: row, I mean obviously Khaleesi's going to be starting there you got Jean-Luc Dupree who I mean I'd be starting over low um and then you've got Whiteley in that number eight role
0: yeah the the makeup of the back row I think will be really interesting Whiteley for me isn't quite there I know he's the captain of the Lions but I don't think that should automatically buy him a spot I I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna build this team but and and who they build it around but Francois Lowe to me is is a lot more attractive than Warren Whiteley. You think I he's good looking? The, yeah, hot as. There's no, yeah, I there's, like no Vermeulen. there's no There's <laughs> no Nice. There's no Vermulen in the squad, is there? No, no, no. He's back he's playing in Japan. They're giving him yeah. the series off. So I mean hey, who who would you be starting there? If it was me, look, I wouldn't start Khaleesi to be honest with you. I don't think he was in good enough form this year. I think last year's form he warrants it, not this. Yeah, I, I would start JL prayers, and probably Francois Lowe. Yep. I'd be I, I would want someone like a Van Staden on my bench. I think he's a real, well, real prospect.
1: Who would be your number eight?
0: You just said it's not Whiteley. I
1: said, Lowe, Franco- Francois Lowe, Lowe. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. Well, it's just you said no Khaleesi. And then you said you'd play low. So who, who'd fill
0: the other role? Who'd fill the other uh, flanker role? I think I'd go... I, I'd pick Whiteley over Khaleesi right now. Yep. So if, if I could pick my top three, I'd probably pick Francois Lowe at six, JL Dupreez at seven, and Whiteley at eight, and then I'd have Marco van on you, the bench. Would you consider Peter Steff at six? I would. There you go. <laughs> so maybe
1: maybe there's there's method to the madness. Yeah. There's a, anyway, like we said, there's
0: an absolute absolute yeah. overflow of talent in those positions. Yeah, right?
1: definitely. What about the backs? What are these backs gonna look like?
0: So we we were expecting FAF to to start again and Pollard to play at 10. I think they kind of nailed their positions down pretty well. So as long as they're available, they will play. Hard to argue with. DLN, they've been injured, opens up a spot at inside centre. And really, it's only Andre the Giant, Esterheisen, that I can see taking that spot. Got a couple of games in that June international break. Uh, And then the outside present center position is a little bit more interesting. They've got Lucanio Am, who got a lot of the starts for and then they've got Jesse Creel, who's obviously the season campaigner. Personally, I would hands down pick Creel. Yeah. I'm just not convinced that yeah. Am's there yet. You're... He's a good player, but he's just not there in my eyes. Yeah. But I think they're going to go with Lucanio Am. I, I, you're one of the people that definitely don't rate Lucanio Am. No, I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's their best outside center. I think he's
1: really quite solid. I have no disagreement that Creel is quite an awesome outside centre. Um, I think it's a, a pretty tough choice. But you've got Esther Heisen playing with Am week in, week out. Is that a strong enough combination there to throw them in as a centre pairing?
0: Well, not when the sharks can't win a game away from home. It's not. That's true.
1: <laughs> so you're saying if they play at home, so that's just a theory. <laughs> yeah. If they play away, you'll throw. When they pre- play many. their
0: home test in Durban, I play an AM. Every <laughs> other game is <laughs> yeah. Jesse Creel. Yeah, nice. Outside backs to finish off. Surely Gianche will be on one wing. And is I love it, it?
1: but we got him not starting. I know it was with
0: an injury cloud. Nah, he's start. just so good. He'll start. I think he's he's easily their best outside back. He's just so dynamic. you got Combrink, I think, on the other wing, just purely because of all the other injuries. Um, almost all of their outside backs from the, the yeah. international season are gone. You know, Nkosi, Ishmael... Uh, Halant, there's so many guys that were floating around that are not there anymore. So I, I think Combrink's probably the guy who's had a pretty good end of the season. Yeah. And yeah. then Vili LaRue, who's been flown back not to warm the bench. So he's, not, yeah. you know, without. Halant there, I think they'll shift him back to 15. And he's obviously world-class for every player and will probably slide in at number 10 and take a bit of the pressure off Damien Valemsi when he's on the the park as well.
1: Yeah, well, we saw that second test, Willie LaRue slot into that 15 position before Haaland had another chance there yep. in that final test in that, that June series. Um, and Willie LaRue doesn't look like he's off the pace. No, he's gone. Um, but yeah, other than him, that's pretty much it. It's it's Dianti's the only other guy that was playing in that series that's there. Yep. Um, you've got invovo who he has been so up and down throughout the year. Um, you've got, uh, who else have we got? My, my Pimpy. Pimpy. Is uh, my Pimpy's there when
0: he couldn't even get in the 23 yeah. for the Sharks. Don't get me wrong, I love him. But yeah. if you can't get in the 23, how are you in the international it's side?
1: It's like Quade Cooper being named in the Wallabies squad right now.
0: He's not in the world. That's what I'm saying. It's like that. Oh yeah, if he was, yeah, yeah. ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. So, who's the biggest bum in this team for you, Nuss? That's what I want to know. Bum of the team. Come on. Biggest bum. (laughs) I know who mine is. It's pretty easy. That's mine. Notchy. No. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hands down, it's Notchy. Yeah, it's got to be. Other than not, uh, other than Notchy. Have you got another bum?
1: I think he's he's probably a clear winner. If <laughs> you're scrolling through, yeah, I don't really like Ivan uh, Ivan Van Zyl, Zyl, <laughs> yeah, Zyl. Who cares? Ivan, I don't he's care. He's a bum as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, he's not good. All right, there you go. Bums We've are Ivan One forward, Zyl one not back. Share. I I think he's probably there along with Papier. To be fair, just to try and develop yeah. some nines because they're a bit thin there at the moment. But when you got Cronier and Faf, do you really need four halfbacks in this squad at the moment? Um, if they're both in a car and have a
1: car crash, you need two more. True. So, yeah, or they're just driving to each other.
0: So Let's it, move on. <laughs> let's move on. We're getting stupid. So let's go to the Aussies. I like them. So who have you got here for your, your debutants injured, etc.? cetera?
1: Uh, Jermaine Ainsley is, is looking to hopefully get a chance at debut. Falau Fajanga, who I think has really earned it, and he's looked really, really solid throughout the entire season. Um, and obviously, if we're talking TPNs. Come back from being signed overseas to, to come into this Wallaby squad, um, which might see blokes like Falao Fanga miss out, yeah, but yeah. I think he's just been so good all year round. I'm a big fan of BPA, Panga Mosa. but Falao Fanga's just been solid every game throughout the entire year.
0: He's more versatile than anyone else as well. I've I'd, I'd loved to see him hit, to see him and BPA share some time off the bench.
1: Yep, I don't mind that. Um, also, we've got Tom Banks. Jack Maddox, who are both really dynamic winger slash
0: fullbacks. Probably competing for the same spot if one of them will get a run at some point.
1: I agree. And because of a few extra little things, defense, his kick that you sort of love is, uh, I'd say him as the one that's over it. And he's earned himself a start. Um, Billy Meeks, who was absolutely You're saying solid. Maddox,
0: sorry. Sorry, you're saying Banks. I'm saying, saying Banks. Yeah, yeah.
1: sure. Um, Billy Meeks, who was absolutely awesome against that Australian side. Um also, oh, yeah, in that Australia V super rugby lineup he was really solid so he's been able to manage to crawl his way in. The same as Jordan Patea. So he's a bloke that I mean, he's probably there to feel an outside centre slash winger role, but we probably won't see much of him. Let's be honest. Maybe he'll get a crack in that overseas tour, but I'd be surprised if we see him over the rugby championships.
0: Yeah, no, I I think he's just there as a development player. They've got a they've got big wraps in him. 18 years old, so one of the he, if he did make his debut, he'd be one of the youngest ever. Yeah, uh, I think maybe fifth youngest ever. I think I saw somewhere along those lines. Uh, six foot three, 98 kilos at 18, mm-hmm. so he's going to be a big, big boy. Yeah,
1: he's, he's, hopefully he's got a bit of growing to do.
0: He doesn't slow down too much, but... He, he does have a touch of class about him as well. You know, he's, he's far from the finished product. I'd take Am or Creel, both of them, over him right now, hands down. You know, if, if we're talking about the guys from the last squad. But just lots of upside, I think. So I think that's the only reasons there. Yeah, and look, I mean, he sounds like he's obviously a, got a good uh, training
1: ethic because Thorne talks him up so much. Mind you, Thorne does like talking up all his players. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he seems like he's got a class. He seems like he work, works hard. Hopefully he doesn't find coke. <laughs> like everyone else in that red squad. Yeah.
0: yeah. So the injuries are Kurundrani. Yep. And Kurevi. Yep. So what positions are they? Well, clearly outside some <laughs> So that's yep. where the opportunity is, and I guess that's where you get Meeks and Patea coming in. <clears throat> yep. That's a bit of an opportunity. And then you've also got Matty Tamua, coming in from overseas as well now that he signed a contract with the Rebels. Can I say, he
1: he slotted into that 15 position um, on that Wallaby Super Rugby match as well, and he looked really good. He was taking it to the line. His passes were pinpoint, um, and on an odd occasion, it was only once or twice, he decided to step back in. You didn't see it coming. You couldn't predict it. He looked like he was going to throw the same sort of flat ball, but he stepped back in and created this massive gap and has run straight through it and looked for an offload. And it looked really, really good.
0: I was reading something yesterday on Matt Tamour, and they were, you know how European rugby just doesn't understand what's good to watch, so they clearly don't understand how to analyse a game? Yep. Obviously. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a big generalisation, but we'll take it. Well, side note, you know, if they're saying that the Crusaders would struggle to compete with Saracens and Oh, let's not say they are saying that. One bloke. (laughs) uh, It's all of them. Yeah. You know, so they they don't know what they're talking about, basically. so anyway, potato. Matt Tamur, yeah. <laughs> they were saying, didn't miss a single highball through the season. Yeah, well. So not only is he a good playmaker, but, we know how good he is defensively, but he just has those little elements to his game that he just doesn't really make mistakes in the same way as the accountant over in New Zealand is. Yeah. But, I mean, that's an interesting stat, but to me,
1: stats are like bikinis. They're revealing, but they don't show you everything. So did he make any high balls? Did he catch them?
0: Because I mean, he didn't miss any. Oh, sorry, it was there, I, I didn't want to misquote. Um, there was it was a stat like for people that have missed over, have missed, have made over sixteen high ball catches through the season. Okay. who has not missed? And it was him, and there was one other bloke that was up there. Okay, so yeah. so yes, he, he makes a lot of catches. That's so a pretty revealing bikini that he's wearing. It is, yeah, scant.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, nice. That's what I like to see him in. It's pretty, pretty good figure.
0: Yeah, so let's – uh, the, the, uh, sorry, the only other one we should touch on is apparently Michael Hooper should be fit for the first game. Uh, I know that we're both yeah. hoping that they uh, they don't play him. Yeah, and... look, I mean, and you can't
1: say that. <laughs> like, uh,
0: Poey's just in such good form. He's, he's no, safe. I meant Miller. Yeah. I thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought <it'd> start Miller. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, look, I'd love that, but that's definitely not happening. <laughs> Um, I'd, I'd just love to see Pocock start in seven.
0: Yeah, the but Hooper will come it. in at seven and, yeah. and we'll captain the side. So so let's go. Take us through this. Actually, I'll, go, I'll, I'll take <coughs> us for the forwards. Sounds good. You had him last time. So CO is apparently under a little bit of an injury cloud, but should be fine. TPN, I'm expecting to come in and just start immediately. He's just too senior. And when you think about how young those other guys are going straight against the All Blacks, it's a no-brainer to me. And then you've got Kepu obviously on the other side There's a bit of a question mark Does Thor get a run But I think you'll see Australia take the opportunity Of having two world class players And just let Thor Tongan Thor slowly build into his work
1: I agree I don't think we'll see him starting in in the rugby championships Maybe you see him get that chance At the end of the year tour yeah. Because he needs to start, if, if we're talking him for the World Cup, he needs to have starts at that level, but it's not going to come against New Zealand.
0: Well, yeah, that's right. And I, th- I To be fair as well, I think that the Rugby Championship is a pretty high workload. You know, I think it's got yes. six very hard international games. <clears throat> Maybe you'll see him start one or two in the middle there to try and freshen yeah. who up a little bit before the end. Against Argentina? Yeah, <laughs> probably, to be honest, probably. Yeah. Um, in the second row, you've got Adam Coleman's the no-brainer. Uh, and then... Either do they go with Isaac Rodder who started against Ireland, or is Rory Arnold due for a callback up? And I, personally, I think that they might go with Rodder, but I think they should go with Arnold.
1: Yeah, look, I think Arnold's had more experience there. Rodder looks good when he's had that opportunity, I think he's a really solid player, Um but am I am I wrong in thinking that Arnold was injured through that international... No,
0: no, no. He had the ban just before, so he uh, did. yeah. I think he might have missed the first game from that, but yeah. I think because of that, they basically just did not give him a run. Yeah, didn't get him back involved. Yeah.
1: Um, look, I, I think he's done too much when he's been there and had the opportunity. Um, I think, yeah, I think I've got to start Arnold with Rodder on the bench. Rotter is a pretty good impact, sort of a good impact yeah. player as well. Yeah, that, that's how
0: I would run it. Uh, outside backs is probably the most interesting. Outside several, backs? Outside backs, loose sports rather. Outside, uh, back yeah, outside back forwards? Yep, outside back forwards. Hooper's the lock in, you would think, if he's fit, and then that would push Poey to either six or eight, and then the, the other position is just how they want to make up the rest of the side. My gut feeling is that Kayla Timmer has probably slid down a couple of notches, played well in that inter- internal trial on the weekend, but I'm thinking that they're probably going to go for someone like a Ted Flanagan at six uh ned Flanagan, obviously yep. and then i could see them even going for a lucan tui if he impressed enough out of that game um or even Timu at six but i just don't think that they'll start him at eight Someone that you've left out there is samu maybe we see pete samu come into that that six role or do you think I, I don't think they'll start him i, I think we'll have a bench role yeah
1: i was gonna say do you think that maybe he's not a good enough line out jumper when you've got poey yeah um, and Hooper there. So he doesn't fill that void well enough. And then you'd probably be leaning to so, to someone like Luke Antui, who is saying he wants to return to New South Wales, mind you. Is that right? Please let him come. So he, he's saying he wants to come next year, and he's still signed for the Reds. And the Reds are like, uh, no, thank you. that
0: no will no fix one, picks one <laughs> of the biggest problems. Oh, God, yes. We'll take him. No, the Reds won't let him go, because they've just get, let Kane Douglas go. So they're not going to yeah. let... Lucan Dooley and no. Ken Douglas go. We've this got is a few this good, is, young. Yeah, this locks is Brad right Thorn's now. bread and butter, man. He's not letting all his locks go. Not his no, hard right. locks. Nah. Yeah, it's not going to happen anyway. So I'm going to go with Flanagan, Hooper, and Pocock. That's what I think will will happen. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I'd, the say like... right. You know, I don't know about Ted Flanagan at international six, but look, he's had another pretty solid season for the Tars since coming back from injury as well. Scored some tries. He's, he's was looked... effective with the ball. He's looked good Ranwell. since he's been back. So deserves his shot as well,
1: and he'll undeservedly get torn to shreds from the Australian public unless you're from New South Wales for sure. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the outside, oh, the outside backs. In terms of the backs, uh, Guinea is going to return from his injury and pair up with Foley. I think that'll be no surprises. Um, in terms of the centres, I'd be really surprised if we see someone other than Beal. I don't think Tamu is going to walk into it. He'll he'll be on the bench. Yeah. Um, and then we're leaning towards hodge because not only can he defend he can attack but he can also add that sort of long distance kicking game
0: yeah um probably the one element that the team really lacks without him yeah
1: i mean the only real other solid chance is is rona yeah checker actually came
0: out this week and said that it's between those two
1: yeah so i mean rona he is a relatively decent all-round player he's good but not bad at defense he's good but not bad at um attack he doesn't have as much of an X factor,
0: X factor as someone like well, Lodge. I think the thing that hurt him was his last four or five rounds. Yeah. He had a really exceptional first three quarters of the season. He just kind of faded away a little bit. I think he might have burnt out and just kind of lost the impact that he'd had and was, you know, through the early phases of the season. Yep. Uh, then our outside backs, Corobidi,
1: DHP and Falau is what we're thinking that they'll go with. Yeah, kind um, of picks
0: themselves, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think... Korobiti for me over that three test series that first test he came out and proved why he was given that shot and then he just seemed to fall away in that
0: second test and And in the second two he proved why we didn't think he deserved it in the first place
1: yeah and look to be 100% honest I think that's what Korobiti is He's not a bloke that is going to be week in, week out, 100% solid for you. So if I was picking this side, I'd be giving someone else a chance. Someone like Tom Banks, who has proven he can defend, he can attack. And he seems to be a decent player week in, week out. He's not flaky. Like someone like Korobiti, he can finish. Um, so I'd love to see someone like him get a crack. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does get a crack over this um, rugby championships, but I don't think it's going to be game one. No, no um, But hopefully by the, the back end of this um series we start to see him fill into that that wing role yep um and if you saw that australia versus super rugby team uh, he, he had two try saving tackles and one he he caught Sarobi, who had a 30 meter head start on him and tackled him out when there was about three centimeters left between him and the line it was phenomenal
0: and just quickly nelson i mean most people that listen to this aren't australian so who is Sarobi? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Moses Soroby, so
1: the backup Reds halfback who's actually... um kind of Porish- usurped everyone, I think, by the end yeah. of the season. Torres Tor- Strait Islander. Um, he looked really, really good in the NRC last year, and it was good to see him earn that crack and, and get that crack for the Reds. And I'd be starting as my, my starting nine for sure next season for, for, the, Reds. for the Reds. Yeah, yeah, no, no he's doubt. had a very good year. And he, he's quite young as well. I think he'd be about 22 years
0: old, somewhere, somewhere
1: along those lines.
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Look, let, let's finish off. We'll go into the uh, the Kiwis and then we'll, we'll wrap it all up. So, you've made some notes here for us. Nelson, run us through it. So the blokes that we're looking at for international debuts: are Tim Perry.
1: So he has played for uh, played against the Barbarians and against the France Fifteen, but he hasn't actually played any international matches for the All Blacks. And Tahoe Riorangi. Um,
0: tahu Hiorangi. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do <laughs> it. I think. Tahu Hiorangi. Yeah, got enough. it. Um, Finally. Between us, we got it. S- sorry, um, sorry, Triple T. Yeah,
1: we're giving it a crack, mate. Um, <laughs> and look, he's, he's been really quite solid, but I mean, it's hard to see him getting a lot of game time over this period. In terms of blokes that were dropped, uh, Tamanga Allen was dropped for Tim Perry, which just absolutely baffles me. Um, Vea Fafida was dropped for Jackson Homopo who's actually been named
0: as pretty much a six cover um, which both of those guys they've been looking at at six yeah and remember Fafida had that one game at the end of last year where he was just outrageously good
1: yeah Um, but we haven't seen much of Homopo at six it's it's just something that, I mean, it, it's interesting, it's surprising that New Zealand are doing it so much, but they are lacking in that sixth position. Um, you've seen blokes like Frizzell get a crack this year as well, who I have rated as quite a good player, but they just don't have the same class there as in some of the well, other positions.
0: Well, I think the thing that they're missing and they're looking for is someone with just a bit of grunt and intimidation and X yeah. factor in that regard. You know, like the the real follow-me kind of player that they just don't seem to have had for a little while.
1: You mean they want a read or a retalic or someone in that sixth role.
0: <laughs> no, I'm talking about the the New Zealanders of of yeah. uh, of past. Most yeah. of the time they're these absolute talisman giant men that are just ultra physical. Yeah, I agree. Um in terms of injuries and their cover,
1: Dane Cole's uh, he's been named in the squad but obviously he hasn't played all year um but Liam Coltman's been named as his cover Sonny Bill Williams is is in the squad but his cover is Lemape because he's injured um Lemape's been actually was dropped out of the squad only is there as a as an injury cover which is interesting to see is that right I, th- I thought yeah. that he was actually selected he is purely there as injury cover which could be a ba- basically a, a wake up call for him um but look, he's he's a solid player, and it just depends if he, he gets that crack.
0: Yeah, the the issue is you know what you're going to get when you play him. Yeah. And the Kiwis have showed that if you just muscle up on him and, and even 2 men tackle him, there's not a lot of finesse to his game. So he's going to run at you and try and run over you. If you can stop that, then realistically it shuts down the yeah. midfield for the the team he's playing for. Yeah, he doesn't have any other sort of uh, bows in his arrow.
1: Strings <laughs> in his bow. <laughs> <laughs> Strings do his bow, yeah. Yeah. Bows to his I like that. Doesn't make sense. It turns out other blokes, they're returning just two absolute class players in Kieran Reed and Brady Ritalik, uh, which has got to be scary for anyone <laughs> coming just, up against them. Just the best luck and best eight in the world. Yeah, it's just got to be absolutely scary for the Wallabies. Yeah. Unlucky um, to miss out. You might have someone else you want to add to this. I think Matt Todd has been the form seven. In New Zealand, um, Artie Sevilla is, is someone that we've talked about in the past sort of is a similar to a Hooper role mm. um, and hasn't seemed to got get a chance because of that. He's not as solid over the ball um, and doing that work in tight. He wants to be hanging out and, and making a few more runs. Um, George Bridge has just been immense for the Crusaders and has been able to find that line no matter who's in front of him. And Ben Lamb as well is another one. Blam! Who's missed I, out?
0: I'm not sure who you think I'm going to suggest... But I'm actually supportive of what's going on on Twitter at the moment that I think Brad Weber should be picked.
1: Yeah, look, I really like Brad Weber. He's,
0: got... he's been in phenomenal form and has deserved to bench Dahuri Arangi. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so, and and he's just played so well for the Chiefs, and I think he has been a big part of the strong end of season form that they showed. Yeah. So, so I, I think disappointing that you can't play yourself into the squad. I know, again, they're ultra-conservative, but this is like a 36-man squad or something. This... No one thinks He'll either play, of those players yeah. are going to end up in the in the end twenty three. It's going to end up with Smith and TJ Perinara. Yeah, of course. But surely he should be in amongst it. Bryn Hall's the other one as well. There's so many and, good halves. And webber has been one of those blokes that
1: he has been solid actually for quite a few years. A now, long time. But he's he's had injuries. He's had, had other class players in front of him. He's had things like that have have halted his
0: development. But mm. when he's
1: had those chances, he's been really really solid.
0: Who was the uh, who was the other one you thought that that I would be disappointed that wasn't in the mix?
1: Oh, I'm not too sure. I just, I, I didn't know if you had anyone else in the back of your mind. that.
0: You... I was just searching frantically for Richie Moe, but he's in there.
1: Yeah, know, he's definitely, in there. <laughs> I, I would have definitely mentioned him. Uh, he'd be my starter if I was the All Blacks coach. So yeah. let's just leave it at that. Um, do you want to start off with the forwards or the backs? No, I'm all about the backs. Okay. So I'll, I'll go to the exciting ones, the, the forwards. Um, so for the 15, <laughs> we were looking at uh, Moody, Taylor, Franks in that front row, um, Dane Coles, is it listed to... Oh, he's, I think he's been made available. Yeah, no, he's even he's yeah. amongst it and running but he's, and doing things normally now. he's going to have to work his way back in.
0: Definitely. Yeah, and, and Taylor's playing really well, so they're not going to upset that. They're not going to upset yeah, exactly. that like that. Um, My what, question what, to you before we move on. Yep. Before you say finish that word that you just said. What? <laughs> is, is Moody a dirty player <laughs> that doesn't uh, deserve to start for the All Blacks? Go.
1: Okay. I think that's a loaded question. Look, I think... I don't think it is. Look, I think he's... I think he's had some pretty silly indiscretions that I'd be saying if, if that's happening again, you'd be gone. He, so was, mate, he was
0: ruffling up the lines badly off the ball, very illegally off the ball again on the weekend. I understand there's part of it is, you know, intimidation and that kind of thing, and you need to kind of do it to a degree. Well, I think but I just don't rate, I don't see his value. Well, I think... If you've been caught out a few times, you've got to be smart enough
1: to, to pick and choose when you're doing it or lay off it. And if he's been doing it, which I didn't see too much of on the weekend, maybe I wasn't uh, watching it, um, I do think he's a little bit dirty. I do think he is, but I think he's a very good player as well. If it's something he can cut out of his game, he deserves to be there. But if he's going to keep trying to do that stuff, and if he does that stuff on an international level, level it's time to say goodbye.
0: I guess the bigger question is who would take his spot, and I don't think there's a lot of props on that side of the scrum. Yeah. I'm, s- I'm really not sure who it would be. Is it the Tim, same? Tim Perry is, yeah. is competing. I think Tuan tu might be there. I'm pretty sure Offar is not. I'm Tumang pretty Island. sure Allen is not. Yeah, he is. Isn't he? No. Nah. No. Nah. Not at all. They're on the opposite sides. Okay. Ala, Ala, Ala Toa. He is on the opposite side. far out? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That most of them are competing for the three jersey. So, I think Moody's kind of lucky in that regard. Tim Perry is pretty. They're awful. only getting the Crusaders players in, that, in yeah. that role. Yeah, that's right. True. So, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. But I, I just think he's that's one position of a relative not weakness, but relative weakness for the yeah. Crusader for the All Blacks. Yep. Same thing. Um, so, what are you saying? Is you hope. Moody gets injured. No, I hope he plays. <laughs> yeah,
1: true. <laughs> um, and gets carded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in the locks, no surprises with Whitelock and Ritalic. I mean, White Lock has it in his name. He's definitely going to be a lock. <laughs> and Retallic. Um In the back row, this is something that, I mean, you, you could have seen a, quite a different back row, but we think we're going to look for a pretty typical standard um, back row for them with Squire, Kane, and Kieran Reed. There's no argument that Reed's obviously gonna be starting that position. I wouldn't mind seeing someone over Kane, as we've discussed. But yeah, look, I think that's what they're gonna stick with.
0: Yep. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, I think almost every position in the backs is, is pretty <clears throat> explanatory self explanatory. There's a couple that that are arguable. Aaron Smith and Bodie Barrett will start at nine ten. I'm a fan of Richie Mo, but they're not gonna they're not gonna throw him in the deep end fair enough if you're winning every game you don't have to I so agree. Let, let him build why you don't you don't if it's not broken don't fix it you know like what why would you upset the uh the flow of things bodie has well, been the best player in the world for two years you know about now. the
1: hole if it's not broken don't fix it mm. do you get your car serviced or do you wait till it's broken well don't replace my car Will you replace parts no. when they're getting old? <laughs> <Bodhi's> not <laughs> old <laughs> Bodhi's no, but look. Oh, I'd love to see Bodie replacing
0: his brother at fullback. Yeah, sort of.
1: That that has to be the strongest solution for them. And you're talking about yes, don't throw him in. You've thrown Geordie Barrett, who's younger than him, in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, It's it's something that baffles me that they say they don't want to rock the boat, but you've got a younger Geordie Barrett there. Hmm. Mawanga is arguably more influential, the best in his position. And you've got Bowden Barrett that is better than
0: Geordie Barrett at that role. And as well. had one good year. Yeah, and has been solid without spectacular being spectacular this year. Whereas Richie Mo has been spectacular for two years. Yes, yeah. so surely it's got to be in consideration. Yeah, it, you're not talking.
1: You're not talking someone like Ben Smith that's been there for yonks playing that fullback role because he's playing on the wing. We're talking a young bloke that's playing there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, in, to move on, the, the centres, assuming Sonny Bill's not fit, will be Ryan Crotty and either Anton Leonard Brown, or I think Goodhue should be in and around the mix. I think A or B will keep it, mainly because Goodhue has the luxury of playing for the Crusaders, which is almost something that works against them at the moment because apparently they're just so dominant that everyone looks too good in that side. Yeah, hence Bridge not being there. Yeah, uh, Rico Ioani is a walk-up start on one wing, and then the only other position is if Ben Smith is going to be at 14 or 15. We've discussed the fact that we like Richie Moe at 10, Bodie at 15, and and Ben Smith at wing. I don't think that's what will happen. I think what will probably happen is you'll have Ben Smith at one wing and Geordie at the back, or hopefully Ben Smith at the back and then someone like a Naholo, uh, on the on the wing. That's probably yeah the only other option you really expect. You're not going to see on a scooter filling into that
1: role in his current form. Um, maybe you see Naholo on the wing and Ben Smith at. Four
0: Damian there. McKenzie's a chance, but I, I just don't get the feeling that they like him as a starter yet.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So does that mean you're going to see D Mac and no Mwanga on the bench?
0: Yeah, probably, for most of the games. They'll again they'll give him his run. I think you'll see him get three or four games off the bench through the back half of the year, but. Chuck them both there. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, just chuck them both there. More ball players. Yeah, and then you can s- slot your one into 13 if you need to or just something like that. From the jerseys, like four to eight, they all play 80 minutes every week anyway. Yeah. They don't need to be subbed. not yeah, exactly. don't have. don't carry so many forwards. Yeah, silly billies. <laughs> right, on that note, silly billies, I no. think we'll wrap it up. So that's the squads that we're seeing for Rugby Championship. We'll go into a little bit more team analysis next week. Uh, but as, as we lead up to that first game. But thanks for listening all the way through. So, can uh, I
1: just get this right before we, we go away? Rugby champions, championships, you're saying Australia first, Argentina second, South Africa third, and New Zealand to fall off the perch.
0: I don't remember saying that. I'm sure I heard you say it. Did I say Jerry Moody to carry them to the bottom of the table? Maybe. Tim Perry to back it up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can only hope, Nice. We can only hope. Yeah, it would be good. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for listening, guys. been an awesome Super Rugby season. I'm gutted not to have come first this year, lost in the grand final. And, Nelson, you am won a trophy as well. I'm gutted not to come first. It's just the spoon.
1: Let's be honest, I did better than you in the final.
0: Yeah, mate, when you're playing against someone that can't spell Super Rugby.
1: Mate, he's not that dumb.
0: He's just drunk rather dumb. all right boys thanks for listening see you later see ya